Hi, this is Gillian Gotzel, world diplomat of Lieberland, and you're listening to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. There, there's another side to it. And I think that more people should see business that way and actually see life that way instead of us all trying to get rich quick tomorrow so that we can go do whatever we want to do. I think we should find happiness today and uh, enjoy the marathon, enjoy the journey. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. This is Dream Chasers, episode 74 with Dino Pierce. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we interview individuals with supernatural amounts of potential based on early success in their careers. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by Dino Pierce. Dino is the host of Edified Equity. He's originally from Southeast Louisiana, Raceland, Louisiana to be specific, went to Nichols State University, and now lives in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Dino, thank you for coming on the show, and do you have any opening remarks for my listeners? Well, thank you so much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate uh, you extending the invitation, and I'm looking forward to having a good conversation, answering questions, and hopefully adding some value to your listeners. One thing I'll say is, if there's any, like someone from Louisiana listening, I was born in Raceland, but I'm actually, I grew up in a town called Cutoff, which is a little more southeast even of Raceland. There we go. It's kind of cut off from late Raceland, huh? It is cut. It's cut off from the world almost. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, guys, I first discovered Dino, um, I believe on LinkedIn. It may have been somewhere else. Um, I know recently, recently he was also had Hunter Thompson, who's somebody that I work closely with that I talk a lot about on the show, on his show, Edified Equity. You know, they first got to know each other in Denver at the best ever real estate conference, which happens every year. I think that was that that happens in February, right? Yeah. Yep. It's in February and uh, that was number three. So they'll, you know, the fourth one will be in 2020, but a great conference, especially if you're starting out in um, commercial real estate, more specifically multifamily, although they have expanded like the topics to include like mobile home parks, office space. But anyway, if you're just starting out, I think it's a great place to meet people, partners, as well as learn a ton. Yeah. And so uh, Dino has a lot of experience within this sector of real estate. And what I like most about him is what I've seen him doing over the past. I don't even know, Dino, we didn't really talk about it before the call, but I know your show Edified Equity is relatively young. And um, yes. that's definitely what brought you to my attention originally, I think. So tell us a little bit about how long you've been running the show. Sure. So Edified Equity is, Edified Equity is a weekly podcast. And uh, so we just, Hunter was the most recent episode. He was episode number 72. So we're a little bit over a year old now. It's going great. I mean, it's a variety show between it. Sometimes it's me talking alone about a specific topic or documenting an experience that I had with an investor or a, po a potential investment. It could be me, uh, a recording of me doing a presentation that someone shot. It was a Facebook Live and then I was able to clip it and put it on the YouTube and then ultimately get it on the, the channel. But I also have guests on from time to time and I do a Hang 10 series and that's kind of a play on my passion for uh, surfing. Surfing is, a, if you've never surfed, it's just a tremendous, and I'm not talking competitively. I'm talking 
getting out in nature, it takes you somewhere mentally that I can't describe. You have to be surfing to get back there. It was just a wonderful feeling, almost like nature, athletic, meditation, all combined into one. So I took a, like for my passion of surfing, I called it the Hang 10 series because the favorite part, my favorite part of podcast was when the host would ask the guest questions. I love listening to people just answer questions unscripted. So I was like, why not create a podcast around that? And that's where my Hang 10 series comes in. And I asked the guests 10 questions while they, you know, quote unquote, hang 10 with me. Yeah, I love it. It's a great play on words and yeah. uh, its reputation precedes it, right? Because um, I knew about it before you even really had a chance to <laughs> explain the details behind it. So that's cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. So other than that, though, it's um, occasionally I'll have someone they want to come on and talk about a topic where, so it's a variety show between me, other people talking, as well as the Hang 10 series. Um, it's kind of a variety show podcast, but all focused on, I mean, the main, the sole focus of the podcast is to add value and raise awareness of a phenomenal alternative investment, which is multifamily investing. When asked, why don't more people do this investment or take place in this uh, part of this investment, it's two reasons. Number one, they don't know it's an option. They don't even know that they can that it's available. They know about stock market and things like all the things that everyone knows about stock bonds, mutual fund. They don't know they can own a piece of it. And then the other reason they don't do it is when they do become aware of it, it almost sounds too good to be true. And most of the time when something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's, it's definitely something I think a lot of my listeners um, you know, they have interest in real estate, but they, they're, you know, they're still trying to figure out where exactly they want to make their entry. And I'm sure you've seen this happen a lot too, you know, especially with HGTV, everyone wants to just go fix and flip a house and make a bunch of money that way or uh, in the residential markets, which again, nothing wrong with those markets at all. I know lots of successful people in those markets, but there's a lot more outside of just that, I guess, entry point into the real estate industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And like you said, they see the flipping, um, what they don't realize it's heavily, heavily taxed money. And, uh, you know, anything in the, and I started out in the single family on the single family side. So I know it, anything like the word fast or quick profit, all that is a big turnoff to me. I'm more of a long term, long game marathon approach when it comes to business there, there's another side to it. And I think that more people should see business that way and actually see life that way instead of us all trying to get rich quick tomorrow so that we can go do whatever we want to do. I think we should find happiness today and, and uh, enjoy the marathon, enjoy the journey. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. Right. Yeah. And it's always good to hear something like that because it helps me even reset my mind where I'm sitting right here today. So, so thanks, Dino. We are now going to step into the next level chamber. When did you realize that edified equity was something that you wanted to take to the next level? 
So I realized, um, you know, it took me just like when you hear, you read things that are involved in the sales world where you read sales managers and salespeople, it takes seven to 12 times for them to deliver a message to a potential client, customer, however you want to name it, um, before the customer gets it through their head and it becomes then like their idea. And they're like, why didn't I do this like a year ago? Even though the salesperson has been saying this would be good for you to do similar situation, except there was no sale involved but I was in the single family world I also I'm a senior business manager um, for a corporation a medical device company and um, I had a friend still my friend today he's the COO for a large uh, apartment acquisition and asset management firm and he kept telling me you have a business mind you're a good person you're genuine you're authentic and you have you have what it takes to make it on the multifamily side. You, I know you have to be getting killed with taxes. The market here in Colorado on the single family side, um, the, I mean, your profits are getting cut. It's no, it's no secret that our market is booming. You should really consider learning this business and becoming part of like a multifamily team in some aspect. Do something that you're good at. And honestly, it took him about a year and a half of dripping on me constantly and one day I woke up I wasn't having a bad day but it as it happens I said I should learn multifamily and <laughs> and that that's when you know so that was about two and a half years ago I would say that it clicked and I went all in I don't do anything on the single family side anymore everything I do is involved in multifamily you know, investments, specifically, more specifically, workforce housing. We stay away from luxury just as we stay away from war zones. Yeah. And I, I guess I want to focus in even more on that because more and more I'm running into young professionals or individuals who will come up to me and say, hey, Adam, have you heard anything about uh, Forex trading? Or, you know, as you mentioned, the options that are easily presented to the masses, especially in regards to, to getting into investing in Wall Street. What's a, what's a way that if someone ever approached you with how do I get started investing and they don't even think for whatever reason, they don't even think about real estate, how would you in a positive way steer them towards what is capable through multifamily investing? Yeah, I mean the first thing I would say is the intimate relationship that you have with the team of operators is second to none. I cannot take $500,000 and go invest it into, even if I spread it across five companies, um, I don't know, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Duncan Hines, I don't know, you name it, Nike, mm -hmm. I cannot take it, invest that 100000 across five, like I say, five publicly traded companies, and then text the CEO tomorrow morning and say, hey, how's business? You <laughs> don't have the ability to do that. In the multifamily space, especially when you're talking about direct investments, I'm not talking about making an investment into a REIT, which could still be multifamily, but it's not a direct, a deal-specific direct investment mm -hmm. where you actually own a piece, you own a share of a certain building, which is the business. So that would be number one is the intimacy and the, the reporting that you're going to receive, all the insights, you're going to be able to learn in the process. The second thing I would talk about is the tax benefits. I mean, you, chances are between bonus depreciation and cost segregation, and I'm not an expert in those fields, but it's something that we use in our investments, you're going to take a paper loss even though your asset is cash flowing. And that, that paper loss could happen throughout the life of the 
the entire business. It's definitely going to happen within the first three to five years. So that's the other thing is the tax benefits that you get. And the cash flow, unless you're invested into a stock that pays dividends, you're not getting cash flow. Mm -hmm. In this case, you're going to get quarterly, monthly, it depends on how the operators pay, cash flow while they're doing all the work. And it's not only the market that appreciates over time, but they can force appreciation by improving improving amenities, improving the, uh, the actual apartment units so that they can push the rent slowly but surely up to what the market you know, is demanding. And that's done by identifying assets that are mismanaged and have some type of value add play. So, and then the other thing I would say is, this is not a downside, but the, the caveat or the catch here is depending on your income level, like if you're not an accredited investor, you can't just start investing into these today. You need to become a sophisticated investor at the very least and get to know so you need to educate yourself and get to know a group of operators who use a 506B offering or SEC exemption so that you can participate in these investments. So it'd start by educating them, you know, on the investment as a whole. Yeah. And I want to give an opportunity potentially here to anyone who wants to invest in commercial real estate, but hasn't done it yet or is a young professional looking to start working in the industry, but doesn't know where to get started do you have any ideas or opportunities through your company uh, for someone to add to add value to what you guys are doing? For example, work with you or make a first time contribution. So first time we don't, as far as first time contributions is everything that we do is, so far has been a private offering. So you will never know even you, you won't see our deals ever. You have to know us because we use the 506B SEC exemption. So definitely, I mean, they would have to get to know us and we would have to get to know them. And it starts with an SEC investor qualification questionnaire that is located um, on, my, on my website if someone wanted to build that type of relationship. Right now, we are not looking um, for new partners on the team. However, having said that, I'll tell people this. The easiest way to get started in multifamily, if you're looking to be on the general partnership side, the more active side, is to have a real, genuine, authentic role on the general partnership team. And in addition to that role, one of your roles is bringing capital to the investment. So through your relationships. And then the other way to do it is to bring a real deal. Because in today's market, I mean, we are being, we are really, really patient. We're sticking to our underwriting guidelines and our mandates, but we're actively looking for opportunities and they're hard to come by. So if you can bring a deal, I think a group of operators would bring you into the general partnership side and give you an active role so you can learn and be part of the general partnership. Or like I said, you can have an active role, have a source of capital that you already know that's interested and likes the market. They get to know the operating team. They know this asset class. Those are two ways to, to get started. Perfect. And I want to switch back to talking about your podcast for anyone listening who's been thinking about starting their own podcast or getting more involved in that side of the industry, how have you seen it transform your business? And I guess, could you give an example of how, like what you think your firm would look like now compared to um, how it looks currently with 
the podcast. Um, if I said that right, basically, yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the main difference having it? Well, I think the main difference is I, I honestly, um, the, the podcast, like I don't even close out. I, I actually just said something on your podcast that I never even said on mine, which is, and I only said that is because you asked, um, but I don't ever close out by saying, and if you're ever interested in getting into investments, go to the website and re- fill out our SEC qualification questionnaire. <laughs> it's, it's actually, that's, there is, there's no pitching. You never learn about a deal. It's solely education. And with it's giving without the expectation of anything coming in return, having said that, things do come. When, you, when you're authentic and genuine and put something out, and you have long-term goggles on, it tends to play out in a win-win way. And that's what I'm focusing on. So it ha- I have already seen, I've gotten cold calls. For example, I have a, I've gotten a cold call from a family office in Europe that contacted me because of my thought leadership through the podcast. Um, and I don't know this because when we hung up, well, before we hung up, sorry, um, I asked him, well, how did you, you know, how did you learn about me? And he said, I, I just searched um, U.S. multifamily and you came up. So I reached out and see if you'd get on a phone call with me. So things like that have happened. Um, but it also has brought awareness to where I'm asked to speak at events. So it might not come directly from people listening to the podcast, but like, for example, this show, I'm on it today from the podcast, giving me recognition and me being more like a lighthouse, putting out good information that adds value to people, focusing on the long game. And they may or may not ever reach out and try to invest with me. They may not put two and two together and that's fine. At the very least, I'm educating about an alternative investment that I know if you're, if you believe in the asset class, if you believe in the team of operators and they put the right things on the menu for you, it's going to be better than investing in the stock market. So it's genuine education. Having said that is, it has helped. And my group of investors that I've gotten to know, you know, has grown. I'm, I'm up to over, you know, I have solid relationships with over 200 contacts and I met a lot of them through my thought leadership. Perfect. And we are getting close to the end of the interview here. And uh, this is where it's always like, man, I wish I wish the show did go a little bit longer. <laughs> but um, I did want you to highlight also briefly your family and your family background, maybe just your direct family too, for the sake of the show. But I just yeah. want to make sure our listeners know, you know, Dino is a family guy to the core. He's got an amazing story. And actually, if you want to learn more about it, I guess you could, I could say re- reach out to Dino. He could tell you his, his life story, which is pretty cool. Yeah, certainly. So my, I mean, my direct family, I have uh, three children. It is by far the, my, the fav- my favorite part about being alive is being their father. Not like my children are my life. I spend a lot of time with them. They relative like to what I experienced growing up, they get a ton of time with me. Now they only know what they know, but anyway, um, and it's never, it's never going to be enough. But anyway, I, I just really enjoy, and they're at fun ages. My daughter's 10, then my two sons, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. So they're all very mobile and, you know, we're active at parks and swimming and skate parks. They got scooters and bikes. So they're really physical and all of the ages were fun, but right now it's, it's super fun because I'm young enough to enjoy it alongside of them. And I'm actually a kid at heart. So I love playing. 
Love it. Love it. All right, Dino, I got three fun questions to close it out here. Um, and you just mentioned parks, which is perfect. We can tie this one into to you with your kids. Uh, the first one is, what is your favorite park to go to in Denver? Uh, second question was, what was your favorite thing about growing up in southeastern Louisiana? And the third question, you might need a quick pause for this one. If, if you do, it's okay. Is who has your favorite podcast guest been so far? Wow. Okay. So my, uh, the favorite, I think right now our favorite park is discovery park in, I believe it's Westminster, just North of uh, Lakewood, Colorado. We like discovery park because we it's newly discovered. But the other thing we like about it is there's a skate park connected to a playground. So I can literally be on the skateboard, my daughter's on her scooter, and my son can be on his bike, the young one can be on the strider, and they can say, Dad, we're tired of uh, biking and striding, can we go play? And I can literally be skating and scootering with my daughter and see them playing on the playground. So it's like the best of all worlds because I can keep active while keeping a close eye on them. Um, So that's Discovery Park. It's a a really – it's a great park and it's a really good build as far as a skate park as well as the playground. And then, so my um, number two was my favorite part about growing up in Southeast Louisiana was by far our culture being from um, Cajun French, Cajun Creole heritage, knowing that I knew from a young age that I had something unique. I mean, I remember waking up, looking at the Gulf, looking at the, the swamps and bayous and just seeing that water be like, looks like glass and taking in the wildlife and the scenery and saying, there's somebody growing up in New York right now with a different type of beauty. I don't know if they're ever going to get a chance to see this or appreciate it like I do. Um, So that and just being from a Cajun French culture, being raised, I actually have, I identify with people who are immigrants, even though I was born in America Uh, just because of the Cajun French story and our exile from Halifax, Nova Scotia. So we don't have time to get into all of that, but Uh uh, they made sure that we were aware of our history and our culture and what they went through to get where we are today. And my, finally, my, wow, my favorite guest, (laughs) I, I, (laughs) that is so hard to say. I'm at a loss for words on that one. I don't know who my favorite guest is who my favorite guest was, I, I've had so many great, it's, it's a good thing because I've had right. so many greats that I'm like, I can almost pick any of them. You know who was a real, an interesting, I'll give you, I don't know if inter, favorite, but I had a Will Duffy on the podcast and Will is like the expert in the, the Roth IRA investing. And I learned a lot from having Will Duffy and he's uh, he's the author of several books I think four books but his most recent one was uh, Roths for the Rich and in on that that book just really breaks down the power and why he thinks all people not just the rich should take advantage of the Roth IRA so I probably learned a lot from that one because it wasn't an area of my of my expertise but I don't know. I like, I like them all. Sorry. I can't, I can't yeah. do it. No, that's good. Will Duffy. Yeah. Will Duffy, uh, all right. was a recent guest might maybe like four podcasts back. Uh, yeah. I think actually if I'm going off of memory, but I believe he was number 71. So, and I just, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 69. 
He's 69. So, um, yeah, Will Duffy was 69. Um, and, and we just put 72 out. So pretty recent. Cool. Well, you guys are moving along with that. That's good to hear. What's the best way for my listeners to follow up and, and get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Super easy to get a hold of because, um, because of my thought leadership and act and I'm so active, but you can reach out on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I have a, I have a close Facebook group, um, that we, you know, share about investments, not actual investments, all education driven. You can go to the website and reach me there, edifiedequity.com. And, um, probably through the podcast as well. But like I said, I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of just do a Google search or, or search on those platforms and you'll find me. I'm also, also in Bigger Pockets, got an award winning blog on Bigger Pockets. So you can, it's, it's not that difficult. Matter of fact, someone recently wrote me, I've been look, um, a friend from college. I've been looking for you for years and I'm thinking, Hmm. <laughs> have you been looking that hard? <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, no, it shouldn't have taken you years. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, cool. Thank you, Dino, again, so much for coming on the show today and investing your time with us. I think this was a really valuable episode, which again, I know is always your focus. So thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you for tuning in to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. We will catch you in the next episode. Remember, in all you think, say and do, take it to the next level.